The Tabuti Drive. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. On 5FM. We're hanging out with uh, Sisonke Msimang. I find that a lot of South Africans don't appreciate being South African. And I think you touch on the fact that you go to many countries and South Africans are always seeking everything that is not South Africa, but don't realize that South Africa is everything. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing like travel. But also, when you grow up, uh, and part of what I wanted to do in the book was talk about how when you're always moving, Mm -hmm. what you want more than anything else is not to move. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was always like, you know, then the parents come and they're like, okay, guys, we're moving. And you're like, oh man and then of course you're an African kid so you can't just be like storm up the stairs and be like I don't want to leave my friends friends and bang the door like you want to but like you just keep it inside (laughs) you get a whipping otherwise (laughs) exactly you'll be like okay we hear about growing up in exile. What is it like, really? I mean, other than the constant moving, just do you know as a child? I mean, we read about, you know, even um, Fezegile, you know, we read about it. But for you, what was it like? Did you ever wish it didn't happen for you? Of course. I mean, the big thing about... So the early part of the book is very much about um, how loved we were because mm-hmm. the whole point about exile you know there's this generation of kids now in South Africa who were born after 1994 and they think of themselves as like born freeze mm-hmm. and of course we were the first born freeze because we were we, yeah. this is the you know <laughs> and obviously this generation is, is the upgrade yes. but <laughs> we were the beta version and for us we were like we were born outside South Africa and so we were born in in indi- you know independent Africa, yes. so egg- growing up in exile was fun. You were just a kid, but of course it was an unusual upbringing. Like you know, some people were sent to camp at like the Black Sea or Cuba. Like you know, other kids go to summer camp somewhere else. We're mm-hmm. like in communist countries because we're being indoctrinated. Yes. <laughs> you know, so it was in some ways like quite romantic, and in other ways it was just ordinary life. Okay. You know? And then also, I mean, you were a, a sexual victim a couple of times. Um, and I think that, for example, was carried out. Um, for example, what I mean is when people, we know there was the war against apartheid. Yes. But in the background was the war against women and their bodies. Was this something that other women relayed while in exile? So, I mean, the, one of the differences between my book and Reedy's book is that if you read Fezega's story, mm-hmm. what you understand is how commonplace sexual violence mm-hmm. was in the environment in which uh, uh, Fezega grew up. Yeah. And w- part of why I think both books are so important, if I may say so yeah. myself. <laughs> As you should. Did we mention that your book is number two, of course, all exclusive yes! books? I think we forgot that very important Flourish. bit. Can I get an applause machine? Like, yeah, there it, is, there it is. There it is. With me in my house. Flourish. <laughs> anyway, so one of the things is that like this is not the only experience of exile. So there were many exiles. Yes. And in the in the exile that I grew up in, actually we were protected and mm. we were kept safe. And so my experience of sexual violence was like an anomaly. It was like. This happens even in the context where your you children are most loved and most safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, so one is there are many, many stories of exile and mine is just merely but one. But also that sexual violence just cuts across so many safe and unsafe spaces. And yours was at age seven from That's your right. aunt's gardener. Yes. And you believe that when he asked you, is it nice? By answering yes, it saved your life. Yeah, what does that mean? I mean, what I think is very important to recognize is that every survivor of violence has um, a story about how they survived, which is why the word survivor is so important, mm. right? Because whatever it takes for you to get through that experience is 
is brave, mm-hmm. is courage. And I think so many times we're so busy focusing on like shaming women or making them feel bad about, you know, now there's this whole issue of Jennifer Ferguson and Danny, you're not, yes, you're done. And it's like, everyone's like, why did it take her so long? What, what, what's What about the time? And it's like, can we not focus on those Stupid issues? Stupid things that exactly. actually don't matter because you're not the because victim. Because what you're doing is diminishing the experience mm-hmm. and focusing on all other kinds of distractions. And also we don't hurt the same. Exactly. We don't hurt the same. Everyone there's even the an argument going around as to what constitutes sexual violence at which point uh? yeah, yeah so it's it's like so they'll argue did you say no enough times exactly. uh, as yeah yeah um did you even say no did you just freeze um and it's it's very interesting to think that this was maybe they genuinely don't know maybe they genuinely think that if you don't say no more than five times is this a conversation well, that I men think, should be having amongst themselves that women should be having mm. with men what is happening yeah i i think the common denominator in what you've just said is always the questions involve you directed at you being the woman mm-hmm. and that's not the relevant question no. when the you is the victim right mm. so the so the question of did you X, Y, or Z should be directed at the at perpetrator. The what did you do? Right. What did you do? Why did you? Why Why did you not say anything? Yes. Why did you not apologize? Why did you do that? Like, so the question is misdirected. And this whole idea, I've think, been thinking a lot about it in the last, you know, two days or so. This whole idea of focusing on the time is a distraction. Mm-hmm. The time it took for her to come Forward. Which shouldn't matter. Shouldn't it doesn't matter. matter. No it's relevance. also because rape is always depicted as such a violent thing. That's right. And it's not always. It's not always this violence in the way that is depicted in the movies. Yes. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I find, again, as I said before, like this is an important moment, not because women haven't been speaking about things before, but we have a preparedness for people to listen and to accompany women when they tell the truth. And is it not also that the people around us that should have been protecting us, even when you do come out and speak forward, are the ones wanting to conceal it for whatever reason? You're going to make the family, you know, you're going to bring shame. And that's exactly why why all of these books and all of these conversations about rape culture are Mm -hmm. so profoundly important. We think you're a phenomenal woman. We're all about (laughs) celebrating you you today. And I, I mean, I, for one, think of my mom as like my pillar of strength. And of course, in your book, you speak about your mother, how she was a powerful woman. Talk about how she was trendy. She was fashionable. What's the one thing that you think was the biggest lesson you took away from your mother? Independence. Mm-hmm. My mother was all about making us independent women. So there's like this scene in the book that I describe how when we were kids, every Saturday we would... Um, go to the bank and deposit money into our own bank accounts. So we had these little, like, little rainbow saver accounts mm-hmm. <laughs> when we lived in Canada and each of us would, and it would take forever because my youngest sister Zhang was only five and then you actually have to write out everything and instead of like, I would just do shortcuts now with my own kids yeah. and just write it. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm in a hurry, come on, I'll write it for you. But she would like insist that we write out the exact amount, five dollars, mm-hmm. <laughs> zero, zero, you know, whatever. And so that was some very early lessons in like if you are a young woman you need to have your own money yes because if we had our own money then we can take care of <laughs> then ourselves we can make decisions it's all about having options you were affected by crime <laughs> when you have money it might just get stolen from you but then you decided to stay in south africa when you had the choice to move why did you stay i love this country uh-huh. <laughs> I've been brainwashed indoctrinated mm-hmm. 
And um, yeah, you know, when you grow up in exile, like now you can come home and you will never leave again. That's your idea, right? You yeah. can never leave again. Like leaving is some angsty you know dramatic feeling and like you're not loyal to your country if you leave especially if you go to Australia yes. where well, yeah. <laughs> pack for Perth <laughs> packing for Perth um, and so it was just like this is the sort of underlying drama in the, in the book and part of what's happening is like I'm making all these decisions to let a lot of things go mm-hmm. um, and to choose Whatever is right for you at whatever time and not feel like I must stay. Exactly. And you say that you are from South Africa, but not of it. Yeah, that's a nice line. It sounds nice, huh? It does. But (laughs) what does it mean? It means that uh, obviously my genetics, my upbringing in terms of being an exile kid, uh, my ID make me South African. Mm -hmm. Um, On the other hand, you are only of a place if... You grew up in it? That's right. And that's the one thing that you... That can't, no matter how long I live in South Africa, the thing that cannot be undone is that my childhood was taken away. What do you wish you could have done as a kid in South Africa? Like maybe, I don't know, you meet people and they tell you certain <laughs> stories. <laughs> it's not even that. It's just the the daily living. You know, mm. just the... Uh, so because... I've never really lived in one place. I never lived in one place as a child for a long time. What it meant is there's no house that I can, no neighborhood I can go to where everyone's like, hey! Yes. Oh, we haven't seen oh, you in so, so long. I remember when wow. you were what, what? That does not exist for me. Wow. Um, yeah, it's okay. But you meet new people all the time <laughs> from different walks of life, which means that you kind of get shared experiences, which a lot of people in their lifetime never get to That's experience. That's right. And I think part of the, thing about growing up is that you realize that you could have a pity party for yourself but you could also look at the many mm. things that you gained from the experiences that you did have mm. and it's just about being able to balance the two what is the main message that you're trying to get out of this book what is the w- the one thing you wanted people to take away when reading it oh gosh so many so many things mm. too many things you need to read the book in order to wait. figure that out yes. yourself not you i mean the general well, okay. public <laughs> well me too um but i think it's a book about telling the trying to tell your own truth about grappling with very complicated issues. And I hope that South Africans take from this the idea that you don't have to be Nelson Mandela or a child soldier to be an African who writes about your life. Yes. Mm. And I think also a lot of young South Africans struggle with what our struggle is because the previous struggle was so in your face. It was very obvious. You couldn't walk from Mm. point A to point B. Now the struggle is kind of deeper. And I don't even think you need to write about a struggle. Mm. I think that every life is worth examining. Absolutely. And so you don't have to write about the struggle. Just write and Jay, about mm. stuff. But if I, just as a young person, am wondering what, what is our battle? What are we fighting? You know what I mean? What yeah. is the conversation so we should be leading? I think that, I think the, the, so because I am a function of my age, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I do believe there's struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the struggle is inequality. I think how you manage living in a country that is still deeply unequal, depending on the color of your skin and which part of of apartheid you happen to have born in been born in meaning were you born in a poor community or were you born in the suburbs mm-hmm. whether black or white 
I think the struggle is how we make that gap much, much smaller. Mm. And then also things that, you know, people are like, oh, and I really am not trying to start a debate, but the men are trash. The, yeah, you and know, that's a huge struggle. And Massive. It's something that's always been there. It's been bubbling under, but obviously women, our mothers, is, they were never going to say men are trash. <laughs> like, that's right. Yeah. They yeah. Was yeah. Never, they were and that's what I love. Yeah. yeah, but also like even women today are married to men. I'm married to a man and men are trash, right? Absolutely. So I feel like, you know, this generation of young women in their 20s is like so amazing. I am so inspired by their complete refusal to take crap. Mm -hmm. Like it's great. And I think they've injected South Africa with a different kind of energy. And I'm very hopeful for where we're going. We think you're absolutely fabulous. Mm, We think you've lived an absolutely fabulous life. Uh, (laughs) There's so much we can take away from your experiences. And I think that's what life is about, that we each have a path that we walk uh, and we can each take away from each other's paths. Mm. And to sit with you for an hour has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Can we go for dinner? Yeah. 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 Let's go for the applause machine. (laughs) And every time I say something funny, we play it. Absolutely, <laughs> and dinner's on you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he's he's yeah, he's, he's very rich. rich. He's rich. Yeah. Kim Samang, always another country. No, it's not the idols money. <laughs> Because he never got the idols. Buy the book. Yeah, buy the book. (laughs) Always another country. Buy the book. Buy the book. Currently sitting at number two. We're looking for that number one spot. Make it number one. Make it happen. No, it's okay. The number one is pretty good. No, we like the number one. But (laughs) then we can can exchange. Yeah, Yeah, we can trade one after the other. Yeah, sharp. (laughs) The Tabuti Drive. Weekdays three to six p.m. on Five FM.